1: real noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary.
3: Oi! The boys on Footy Prime on occasion are known to use vulgarities and frankly appalling language. And sometimes tales are quite adult in nature.
1: So keep the volume down if there are kiddies around. And thank you for listening. You're listening to FP Interviews,
0: in-depth conversations with interesting people. Footy Prime, your almost daily footy fix. It's
3: Tuesday. It's Footy Prime. The podcast It's our interview edition. Shaman here, Dunlop here, Stax is here, still in Vancouver. Heading back to uh, civilized land shortly in Toronto. Jimmy Brennan's here, of course. Hey, boys, how's it going? You good?
0: great yeah, good 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 Jimmy did you notice that was that a slip of the tongue our interview addiction
1: instead of addition that he said addicting did I addiction Do you know what I'll be honest with you I just fuck I just tune him out now every time he starts the openness yeah.
4: <laughs>
2: Jimmy doesn't really have a great <laughs> <laughs> grasp of the English language anyway so uh,
1: wasn't he,
4: wasn't <laughs> I wasn't even I really listening was, I thought it was planned I thought it was quite cool Give me out, podcast. regardless. So,
3: th- thanks, Trev. Thank you very much. You know what? Today's guest is the one intelligent, civilized person on this podcast. A returning guest who he you knows a thing or two about the English Premier League, having played like literally hundreds of games in it for QPR, West Ham. Where he was a teammate with a young Craig Forrest or not so young Craig Forrest, Man City. Of course, nowadays he's working for. I'm pretty sure every single media outlet in the world that covers football. It's Trevor Sinclair. Trevor, welcome back to the show. Thank you for joining us.
4: Thank you for that welcome. I, I actually only work for TalkSport, but when I get pals <laughs> like Craig, stacks that you call him, um, asking me to come on and have a little chat about the uh, Premier League and preview it, you know, how can I say no to that big smile?
2: <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Also, Danny Dickio, is former teammate as well.
4: Yeah, yeah. Deech, really good friend of mine back in the day. Luckily, we um, we got separated because we were bad for each other. We used to just go out <laughs> DJing, partying, and football kind of took a back seat, which you were allowed to do in the 90s, but not so much now.
3: Yeah. You know, we had Beach on the show again uh, last week. He's in Sacramento these days. I'm not sure if you, if you heard that. You probably know that. Uh, and doing yeah, very Greg well. Said
4: that. Yeah, I was pleased that he got to the final. Um, listen, he's a. He's a competent man. He's lived football all his life um, and he knows how to communicate well. He's a humble man. And I'm sure that the players are going to respond superbly well to you know, him trying to give him advice and help them. So, yeah, I wish him well and hopefully I'll bump into him one day and we can uh, we can catch up and reminisce on all our disgraceful behaviour back in the day. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I remember a couple of Christmas parties that we uh, probably weren't at our best, Trev. <laughs>
4: Who was
0: DJing? <laughs> was Dickio DJing or was Trev DJing?
4: No, we weren't DJing back in that that uh, time. I'd don't. kind of um, grown out of it. Um, but we, uh, actually, my, my, my son was 21 last weekend. And oh, um, wow. we went to the venue uh, a few days earlier, just with the family to see the venue and what we're going to do with it, dress it up with balloons and whatnot. And... Um, we, we had a few drinks on the house and I ended up showing the, the um nephews and nieces and the grandchildren how to break dance. So I made sure I got it out of the way before the actual party because if I if I did that in front of Isaac he would have been fuming. So yeah, I got it out of my system. How were you feeling the next day? A little bit of creaky? Uh, no, I kept it, you know, kind of subdued. I didn't go for the windmills and the head spins. I just kept it, you know, a little run around. What do they call um, that
3: when you're on
2: your back and you're spinning around? How many of that did you probably Yeah, probably I not. did
4: a back I did a back spin. But there's Did a, you? you know what? I've got a bit of flesh there now, so it's not as bad as it used to be. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I love a good weighing breakdown. Someone's always doing a knee slide, right? At, a yeah, oh, at least at a least
4: knee slide. So. Oh, that makes me cringe when I see them do that now, because I'd probably uh, have I to know. go to a straight away. <laughs> Sorry,
2: Trevor. I was just going to ask you quickly. Do you work, work a lot with Alan Brazil, Pele?
4: um yeah i work maybe once or twice a week with with al um yeah. actually we had a funny little thing the other day i was i was from home on zoom and uh, we were talking ali mccoyst was there and jamie o'hara and we had a little chat about something and then it went to the break and i said to the producer is that me because it wasn't my show i was just coming on just to have a little chat about um the, the women's uh, euros and how well england did and a couple of other little bits and we did get sidetracked and then it got to the break and i said to the producer am i done he went yeah so I, I went out of it and then I was in the car um, going somewhere and uh, Al, Al started asking a question. He's going, what do you think, Trev? And he actually still thought I was on, on the show. And it was like, what's he talking about? Gone about <laughs> honestly, it was about half an hour later. And he must have thought I was just sat there listening. <laughs> so he got Kane for that.
2: He's a beauty. We go way back. Oh, I uh, he'd already left Ipswich uh, before I arrived there, but got to know him quite well. He was some player, I tell you. He yeah, was some
4: player. Unbelievable talent. And such a lovely, welcoming fellow when I first got to talk sport. Yeah. I went out for my first debrief. I don't know, obviously, we're all from Zoom at the minute, but when we go in the studio on a Friday morning, uh, we finish at 10, and he usually takes um, Ray Parler. They call it a debrief, basically. <laughs> they just go on a session. So I was down there to do the show because Ray was away with Arsenal in America on their tour pre-season. And um, after the show, he's like, he's man-marking me like Berets. He's like, Trev, come on, you come coming with me. We need a debrief. And I'm not joking, we had eight pints in about two and a quarter hours. <laughs> and I was like, Al, um, I've got to go with my trains. I'm going to miss my train. I just had to escape. And I think he just went on and, and, and cruised through the day and, and the rest of the night just at that same pace. So, yeah, he's an animal.
2: Something's never changed. <laughs>
4: Yeah. At least I got away this time. Usually I'd end up on the train and fallen asleep and ended up in Glasgow or something. But, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've grown out of that now. Yeah. <laughs> Done that a few times.
3: Yeah, it's, it's funny actually talk sport because there are some, obviously it's radio sports talk and, you know, many outspoken characters and Alan Brazil, probably number one. Jenny O'Hara is getting pretty outspoken as well. The last little while. Of course, Ray, yeah. I mean, do, they, do, they, do they try and limit you or just say, boys, take it away, have some fun?
4: I ah, know they, they, they let you give, have your own opinion um, and um, I think the only time we really had a, a little bit of a problem is during the the lockdown and we got into a little bit of medical talk about vaccines and and the disease itself and obviously Ofcom were all over us so we had to we had to be uh, muted then but in general we, you get a kind of a, a, a your idea your uh, reasoning and uh, they don't limit you at all so yeah it's quite a good platform to be able to speak what you feel is the truth and if you stick to you know, what you actually believe, you don't have to make anything up and you're sticking to your own principles. It's quite easy to stay with that. That's
0: the cool thing about it. And we don't really have like a platform here where they allow those ex pros to, um, you know, find their feet in a, what feels much more like a podcast setting than a radio setting. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, yeah, I
4: think, I think you get the truth, you know, and Mm -hmm. even if someone's truth is the opposite to somebody else's, you'll get good debate. And then it's who, who, who's done the research, who's got the prep done and who's got the, the numbers to to back up their argument. And you, de- you do really get fantastic arguments and it's all done in the right way. There's no, uh, there's no falling out. It's just difference of opinions. And that's football, isn't it? That's the beauty. Everyone's got a different opinion about different things and different players and teams. And yeah, it's, a, it's, quite, a, it's quite an organic, honest platform, I feel, even though there's a few lunatics on there.
3: Well, that's how I think uh, talk sport differs from footy prime, what we do, and that's the prep part, because no one here preps at all. (laughs) They just jump on the show and just see where it goes. (laughs) You know, it's easy, though, always talking about positive things, right? And obviously, what a weekend it must have been over there with the Women's Euro, England finally winning a championship. Uh, Is the country still
4: buzzing? Yeah, I mean, in general, I think, you know, apart from your the misogynistic people in this country, which there are plenty of them, which I despise. Um, I'm all for equality and I've coached a few girls in my coaching career over the last 15 years and I find girls, women, fantastic players to, to coach, uh, very focused, whereas you get the lads they are talking about the weekend and sometimes you have to crack the whip at that time to get them in, get, them, get the mind in place and, and get them to listen properly. Um, so I was delighted because obviously, the women's game in this country, unlike America and, and, and Canada, has is, is been oppressed. And um, to see them come through that and, you know, a lot of the girls have missed out. It's happened a little bit too late for them. A lot of them are in media now. And there was a few tears of emotion um, when they seen the girls, you know, go and do it and actually win a trophy. So I was delighted. I was, I was delighted for the girls, delighted from everyone that was involved in the women's game. I'm delighted to uh, stick two fingers up at the misogynistic pricks who who think that women shouldn't be playing football.
2: Yeah, I'm with you on that, Trev. Um, yeah. one thing one thing's amazing is that the growth that we're watching on the European wow. side of things is incredible. Uh, internationally, we know we know when you put the with the, the flag on any jersey that it's gonna bring up more attention. So club football. Uh, has also taken big steps when we look at the Champions League numbers. Barcelona uh, selling out Camp Nou. Yeah, um, they've had some massive, massive uh, attendances. We're seeing that happen in England in this Euro. We hope that it translates into the league. The WSL um, is a good league. It's uh, mm-hmm. I've been watching it. The standards getting better all the time. We'll this. The crowds are pretty low. I think Man City actually average about sixteen hundred fans um, at the moment. But the investment, if it continues. You know, it's going to pay them back in the,
4: in the in the end, don't you? Think? Absolutely, yeah. And you've you've seen the interest from the the sponsors. I think it goes even further than the leagues. I think you've got to you've got to start up grassroots. And you know, and I know that in England, there's not enough 3G pitches. We're in the northern hemisphere. The weather in the winter for about eight months is crap. So if you want to try and attract new players and a huge new audience and new um, participants, you've got to sort the infrastructure out. So we need to sit down with the lottery who fund a lot of sports facilities in this country, the government, um, the football federations, obviously the women's football game, and sit down and start having a plan of putting into uh, place like literally hundreds of 3G pitches. And it doesn't have to be full-size pitches. You can have eight side just to get them training, just to give them the facilities to train because in the winter, the, the grass pitches are pathetic. And, um, you know, I I wouldn't want to send my daughter there. I've not got a daughter, but I wouldn't want to send my granddaughter there um, to come back and have a miserable time. You've got to make it something that they want to go and, you know, experience and and enjoy. And then from that talent pool, the standard, the interest, uh, the leagues, all down the pyramids is going to become stronger. And that's where we'll see a real impact on the women's game.
1: Mm -hmm. You See, when you look at it now, I mean, with England, the Premier League, arguably the, the best league in the world. Um, And it took some time for England to finally say, you know, we're going to take this league and we're going to be the best. Do you think at some point uh, they'll try to do the exact same with the women, where the women's professional league will be the best, the Premier League of of women's
4: football in England? I'd like to think so, because I think, you know, 60 million people, football's our national sport. Um, But the women are decades behind. And uh, it's going to take a lot of investment. It's going to take a, a, a con- considerable amount of push, not just for the here and now, for a considerable amount of time, to keep on, you know, improving it, put it in the uh, school curriculums, make sure that girls have got the opportunity to play at school, um, improve the, the the status of them leagues in the schools. So there's more participants, more leagues, better leagues. You know, the the town teams, the the the, um, the north of England, the south of England. All over the country, we must improve it. But I think before you even start thinking about that, because you're not going to be able to deal with the numbers, there's not even enough pitches for the men's game. You know, you've know, got so many boys clubs, so many semi-pro clubs, and they're all fighting for different facilities, especially in the north of England. Mm. Um, so I, I would say if you're going to start thinking about bringing more numbers into the training facilities and, and, and into team sports within football, you've got to get the facilities right first. And uh, I think it's going to take a huge inve- investment, but if I'm if I'm a you know a, a company that is looking at like you you mentioned before, Craig, you look at the numbers and the and, and the numbers that are rising in the in the, in the sport in, in Europe in England, it's a no brainer because this is such a growth that's we're seeing right now, and it's because you've took the shackles off. You know you've given women the opportunity to train as a professional, give up the part time jobs, train, become better athletes, become better specimens and t- technically become better tactically. And then you see in that the reflection in the in the national team and they've just, listen, they're a little bit lucky, I think, in the final, but that can happen. They got there. I think they got there with a lot of class. Uh, you look at the numbers, they scored 20, what was it, 22 goals and or 20 goals and conceded only two. One of the best records there. So I think they deserve that bit of luck in the final. And, you know, if you want that to continue, you've got to continue the investment, the push, the sponsors, you know, getting the big, blue chip companies involved. But if you're a blue chip company, why would you not want to be involved in that?
2: We have that same problem here, really. You know, in Canada, we've been, you know, the women have been banging on the door about a professional league here and whether that's sustainable or not. Uh, the country here is so big, Trev, that that's part of the problem. Travel expenses is, yeah. you know, so where do you do this? Do you regionalize? Do you get involved in the American league? Uh, bring a couple teams up here? They don't, we don't really know, but I know that they, they really know that long term they need to have some sort of league here because all the women here don't always. Have a opportunity to get to Europe with a passport um, issue, so they're sort of handcuffed uh, to stay in Canada, or they lose their opportunity and fall out of the game. So,
4: so is that was- because of the work permit, and and you've got to be an international if you've got if you want that opportunity right. to work abroad? Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But we're seeing, I think that with the clubs now uh when other clubs are seeing other ones in the premier league doing so well yeah you're seeing them raise their game they're like oh we got to get involved in this we got to try to sign some better players and the money is obviously going up for the for the women and i think obviously the advantage that you're always going to have in england is that if the professional clubs get serious about it you have a natural path you do yeah right and it's not going to cost money over here they pay to play and that is a bit of an issue here for some of the Underprivileged, uh, you absolutely, know, tips,
4: right? Yeah, and I think you know I'm quite proud of the, the the way that Manchester City have been one of the pioneers. You know, I know Chelsea and Arsenal have got a real good tradition uh, in the in the women's game, but I think Manchester City have been you know flag bearers and and they've given them a great facility uh, at the at the training ground. They train at the same training ground as the men's, and I think they've been one of the more forward thinking ev- evolution uh, in teams rather than you look at Manchester United and they dragged their feet for years. And I'm thinking, come on, seriously, it's Mm -hmm. supposed to be one of the biggest clubs in the world. They can't get their men sorted out. (laughs) Ridiculous. (laughs) So, yeah, no, I'm quite proud of the way, I know, yeah, I'm quite proud of the way Manchester City have been one of the kind of main pioneers in in progressing and evolving the the women's game. But also West Ham have got a decent side now. They play in the WSL and uh, the league's getting stronger. You're starting to attract, you know, women from all over Europe now that want to be part of it. You've got the girl who's, I think she's the Australian girl who plays for Chelsea up front, one of the best players in the world. So it's improving. And if you continue to do that, it's going to turn into something, you know, a women version of the the Premier League. Because if you can continue to attract players to want to play in the league, financially be able to reward them, you're going to get an end product, which which is going to be, you know, right up there with the best in the world.
3: And you'd hope that there's no choice now, right? Given what happened on Sunday, that that whole legacy we keep hearing about, Mm. the pressure on these clubs. So, I mean, Liverpool's just been promoted now to the WSL. They didn't give a shit about it for a long time, right? So, I hope that pressure's on them. I hope the club's listening. I'm sure they are.
4: Yeah, and listen, you know, we talk about these Middle East-owned clubs. They're almost like embarrassing, some of these great um, British clubs that, you know, have got all this history, yet they've dragged their feet for years upon years to actually get the get the house in order and and start promoting the women's game in the right way so you know maybe uh a little bit of self-reflection from them big clubs to to see how the game's going and and maybe look in the mirror and and look at that how how they're behaving and how they're kind of trying to evolve football as a whole forget about women or men's just evolve the game
3: well the men kick off the Premier League this weekend this Friday actually um and we will just can't wait for it. It's been a short off season, right? But it's time. It's going to be a weird season, obviously, with the World Cup being when it is. But the bookies have made their minds up, pretty clear about it. It's Man City and Liverpool, and then it's the rest. Um, do you have any, any reason to disagree with the bookies, Trevor?
4: Um, I think there's a, there's a, there's a decent argument uh, regarding Liverpool because you have seen the Community Shield. I thought um, they were as good as Manchester City. Obviously, they won the game. Um, the moments, they, I think, are more clinical. I think uh, Darwin started really well. Um and you look at the the players that they brought in, I think the recruitment's been outstanding. And they weren't far away last year. Um and they were going for all four titles. So they won the two cup competitions, they were Champions League final, and they were going right to the end in the Premier League. So I don't think you can discount Liverpool. I think they're gonna be in and around in and around it. And if their new player, Nunes, settles better than Haaland, there's a good argument to say that Liverpool could finish top. Um Listen, they're the two giants uh, in, in English football, as we know, over the last four, five, six years. And uh, I think it's going to be one, one of them. But you have to give a little bit of praise and a little bit of credit and bring in, into the conversation Tottenham under Antonio Conte, because the signings that they've made, they've probably got two of the best strikers in the league anyway. Uh, they've improved that, brought in Richarlison, they've brought in Basuma. They're going to be thinking, you know what, with that manager, he's a serial winner. He doesn't want to be just taking part to maybe make the top four. He did that last season. He'll want to improve on that. So he'll want to win something. So I think they have to be brought into the conversation. And yeah, so it's, it, for me, it's probably one from Manchester City or Liverpool, but I think Tottenham are going to be really pushing them hard all season.
2: How do you think Howland will do uh, Trev overall in the Premier League? It's a much different animal, of course, than what he's been yeah. used to. But uh, everywhere he's gone, he just he just looks like the real deal for me.
4: Yeah, I think when you look at his champ, sometimes you, you have to discount what, what went on um, in the Bundesliga because he was in a good side, one of the strongest sides, and he got a lot of opportunities. And, you know, with that confidence, um, you feel invincible. It's like a, a new newly promoted side. They might come up and do well for a month. And then all of a sudden, the grind hits and every team's top draw and you get a few injuries and your squad's not deep enough. And before you know it, you're dropping like... <laughs> dropping like a brick. Um, so it's going to, I think Aguero made a few state comments about him, you know, and he's, uh, I think he's got a Twitch page where he was saying he's going to have to give him time to adapt because the physical presence of all the defenders, the quick, the sharp, and the, you know, with the thought pattern, the uh, fight for space before the ball's even gone there. But I think it, as, as much as he needs to adapt, I think the, the city players need to adapt to him because even on, the game on Saturday in the Community Shield, you could see that he made some superb runs. I mean, he could have scored a hat trick if he was clinical on the day. And what I liked about his reaction, he was laughing at himself because he was thinking, "How the hell have I missed that?" So you know, I mean, and I've heard Pep talking about him, saying he's a popular boy. He's already like invested in the boys, are all over him, and they've got that, you know, team spirit, which he he says is more important than tactics, which I agree on. And I don't know what you think about that, Craig, but when we had. Harry as our manager. There was literally no tactics, but we had an unbelievable <laughs> team spirit we every, every finished fifth. So I think I think yeah. he's got a point there, Pep. But going back to going back to um Haaland, I think his teammates need to get used to his movements. And that'll happen through patterns of play, practice on the training pitch, uh, that familiarity and 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 just that kind of psyche that you get with good players. I had a great relationship with Paolo. On the pitch, I had a good relationship with Offit, but on the pitch, we kind of just knew what we were doing. And I think when he starts building up them little links and then partnerships, I think he's going to be pretty awesome.
2: Well, you did actually cross the ball for uh, to Canio. He couldn't miss it. He couldn't miss
4: it. <laughs> he didn't even have, to, didn't even have to change his stride. It was literally yeah. like in your stride, boy. Forwarded best goal ever at Upton Park. I know, man. Nah, he was a special player, wasn't he, Craig? Trevor. Yeah. I,
0: I'm sure when you watch Man City now, you, you must think, oh, wow, I wish wow. I was out there in the pitch with some of those players. Yeah. But when you watch Ederson, you must think, God, how come Craig couldn't ping the ball to me on the wing like
4: that? <laughs> Listen, Ederson is an unreal athlete. Um, I believe, don't quote me on this, although it's going out probably live. Um, I believe he has got a hearing deficiency and he, he's Pardon? so calm because his vision is like even more acute. But he's the way, I mean, he could play probably holding midfield for most Premier League teams. His, his distribution, his passing range is that good. I love him. I think he's the best in the world. You know, you can say, yeah, his shot-stopping is not as good as some, or he might not be as good at, cross, at coming for crosses as some. But I think in the match, for, for what Manchester City need from a keeper, it makes him the best in the world, because I think Manchester City are the best club in the world at the moment.
0: That
2: range of passing that he has and I mean his goal kicks, he can take one step and hit it seventy, eighty, or I've I've never seen anything like it.
4: Me neither. Mean it. I mean he he's just a his technique and his strength, um and, and just the way that he executes his strikes. He's and but he's got all he's got every pass in the book. It's not just that long seventy yard ranging one where, you know, a player's not breaking his stride and to be fair, the lads just take it out of the sky like it's nothing and control it instantaneously. But He's got like he's got the the straight you know fifteen yard pass split into attackers over trying to close him down and he just does it so nonchalantly. I mean he has got nerves of like unbelievable steel. <laughs> yeah, I love him. Top player. You were never like that, Craig. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, you don't, you don't have to tell me. Uh, I should have got you on the CBD oil. back in the day. You would have been so chilled.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was chilled. I was so oh, I was chilled. Chilling, I, couldn't, I couldn't kick a ball further than 30 yards.
3: <laughs> Jelly legs. <laughs> you could ping a ball pretty good. Jeez. Um, you know, you, you talk about these two teams still, though, and how Pep and, and Klopp have kind of redefined the way the game's played in England the last number of years. But now now Haaland's there. They've got a real striker for the first time in some time. Nunez looks to be more of a direct player than Mane, for example. Do you think we're going to see different style of football from the top two teams this year?
4: I, I think they've got a different style. I think you've got um, all-action Jackson with Liverpool, uh, more individuals, more brilliance, um, whereas with Manchester City, you've got more controlled. Um, they kind of kill you with a a thousand jabs rather than, you know, all singing and dancing and take two players on and whip it in the top corner. And that is the different philosophies at both clubs. And I think Nunes suits the philosophy at um, Liverpool. And I actually think Haaland, you know, with the way that he played at Borussia Dortmund and their passing moves and the way that they cut teams open. And, and this is why I feel with Jaden Sancho at Manchester United, Veric ten Hag, I think it will suit his play a lot better than the previous managers at Manchester United because it is that you know, it's the, the, the Johan Cruyff principles of keeping the ball, move the ball to create space and then get runners into them space, runners in beyond. And I think Jaden Sancho is suited to that game. He's got fantastic technique. I think he's quite quick off the first few yards, but not necessarily after 10. And I think that would suit his game. So on that same principle, I do feel that um, Harlan doesn't really want to get involved too much. He's a great hold-up player, great focal player to use if you need to miss out that press. Um, but once you've missed that press, he wants to give it, play the way he's facing, and then get himself half turn and, and look to utilise his movement because his movement is different class. And I think once the team gets used to that, I think we'll start seeing a real. I think we'll see a different breed rather yeah. than going down the line and that cut back all the time. I think they will have that penetrative pass where it's it's more sliding straight balls in. You can almost imagine it. Um, Kevin De Bruyne doing that, um, maybe even Jack Grealish, of uh, and him just getting it one touch left foot. See you later.
0: Today, when Kirsten you look at Ronaldo, when, sorry, go ahead, Jimmy.
4: Look, well, when you, I'll get when to you,
0: Ronaldo loving later. Yeah, of course, she's going to
1: talk about Ronaldo. When you look <laughs> at the Premier League and, and all the all the teams um, and who they brought in, is there a dark horse that you're looking at this season? Going, watch out for them. They they could be pushing for a for a Champions League spot.
4: Well, I, think I i wouldn't say it's dark horse because we've all seen the transfer business that's gone on. Yep. But I think Arteta's done superbly well, especially with the two recruitments from Manchester City. Um, Zinchenko, really sad to see him go. What a team player he is. And uh, he has got great quality and he's adaptable. He can play in different positions. But after what you know, Ukraine have been through and the way that he's responded to that, I think he's won a lot of respect from his teammates. And I think a lot of them were sad to see him go. I think he was sad to see him to, to go himself, but he realises... He's got to step out of that shade and he's got to stop being the B-side of the record and he wants to be the the star. And he is for his country and I think he deserves to be for his club, uh, domestic level. So I'm pleased to see him go uh, and I'm sure he's going to do a superb job for Arsenal and also Gabriel D'Azouz. I said it when he went, I said just before he left Manchester City, I seen a change in him. He looked like the penny had dropped. He'd become a little bit more physical, started believing in himself. And when you think about the humble beginnings that he's come from, you know, sweeping the streets in, in Rio, we've all, all seen the images to what he's become. Now, we've seen him grow up basically in front of our yeah. eyes and he stuttered quite a few times. But we've always known that on his day, he, 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 he's a superstar. And I just feel that the start that he's had at Arsenal, the boys yeah. are going to believe in him. They're going to love him. You know, if someone comes into your squad and squad they're scoring goals and you think, oh, my God, we've got a player here that will give him confidence. And I think he, we're just going to see the man version now. Yeah. He could be quite scary. So I think they've got a great chance of ending up in the, in the top four as well.
0: Good point. So, hey, when today, you're... Cristiano Ronaldo is a Manchester United player. Will he be a
4: month from now? <laughs> Whew. Big question. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I, to be fair, you know, obviously Cristiano Ronaldo, one of the greatest players to ever play the game. So you feel a little bit, um, not overawed, but you feel like out your depth a little bit giving an opinion on him. You know, that's what we're here to do. Um, but when you talk about principles and um, how you're supposed to act as a professional regarding your employees and, and your teammates, I think it's shocking the way that he's behaved. I think he's um, he's acting really selfish. I understand that. And I understand why he wants to play in a team that are playing in the Champions League because he's breaking records for fun. But don't sign the contract then. You know, don't sign a two-year contract. Sign a one-year rolling contract where you're in charge. And if they do not um, qualify for the Champions League, It's an easy one. You can just walk away. He didn't do that. So you've got to question Mendez and why he made him, why they accepted the two year contract. Um, But also, um, you know, I I just feel Eric Ten Hag's got a really difficult challenge at the moment. He's probably better off letting him go. Hmm. But then to me, that looks like one of the biggest clubs in the world getting bullied off a player. I don't like to see it.
2: Hmm. You're you're breaking Brendan's heart here. (laughs)
4: <laughs> sorry, sorry. Listen, I love him as a player. I think he's, hes obviously it's difficult not to, you know, his goal yeah. scoring record, what he's achieved yeah. Yeah. Um, and, and what he's become. You know, you see him come from when he first came over to Manchester United. He was like, you know, six foot, he's quite a skinny kid and you've seen what he's developed and evolved into. He's just a phenomenal athlete and, you know, one of the greatest sportsmen in our game and I think the way that he's evolved himself as well to stay ready as he is at 37. you 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 can't but tip your cap to him but, the way that he's behaving especially as he's a bit of an icon and a lot of the young players at Manchester United look up to him, I think his behavior's been appalling.
2: what do you think about West Ham uh they had a really exciting season yeah last season I think they actually proved that the their facilities they're in now as opposed to Upton Park which was uh night and day um, yeah. that it can it can be a good atmosphere if they win games and they play great football and they they, they had a terrific season they lost out on uh, Lingard I've already Forgot about him. He's dead
4: to me. Every time you play, are at the same funeral place. <laughs> <laughs> That's right.
1: But
2: they picked up some good pieces. Where do you think they stand, and how do you think they'll do this year? Are they top half? Are they going to challenge possibly for half. a European
4: spot? Definitely. I mean, again, you, you know, you look at the quality of the players. They've kept Declan Rice. Um, Aguero's come in. He's picked up a, an unfortunate ankle injury, but I think they are they'll do okay, and they'll be able to get by until he gets back into the team. Um, Skamaka, I think he's a great addition. We've wanted a centre-forward for a long time. You know, Antonio, because he's adapted from a right wing-back to how good he is now as a striker. I mean, again, unbelievable the way that he's evolved his game. Um, Link-up play, strength, knowing when to fight and to protect the ball runs in behind. I think his finishing can still probably improve a little bit, but mm-hmm. I think as a striker you do that anyway. As you get older, you get more calm in front of the goal. You've been in that scenario so many times. But um yeah, I think I think they've recruited well. And um, you know, I think you look at Ben Johnson as right back now. He's 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 another year older. So we and he and he had successful times last season. I think he was unfortunate to get dropped for the for the semis of the um, Europa League. Um, I think that was a mistake and in reflection, David might look at that and think it was a mistake as well because he played well and then he brought in experience where I thought he he deserved to play. Um, But yeah, no, they've got a strong team. Um, They've brought in a couple of young players as well. One from um, Swansea, midfielder. Um, I think they're going to do well. I think they're going to be top eight again. Um, But whereabouts, you know, from eight up to seven, six, potentially, depends on how they start and how well the new players gel.
3: So I've got to get back to Ronaldo here just just to kind of finish off Dunlop. <laughs> of course you do. Um,
4: <laughs> but
3: What if I am more amazing out all this, you know, with, with Ronaldo, who is, like you said, one of the greatest, if not the greatest of all time, you know, what he's done. He still scored over 20 goals last year or competitions, but it doesn't seem as if he's wanted <laughs> anywhere. I mean, is it the baggage? I mean, it, that blows my mind. This is... Cristiano Ronaldo, yeah. who's still at 37, is a prolific goal scorer.
4: Yeah, I think the game's evolved. And with his age, he's not able to evolve with it. Because, yeah, we can score goals, but I think long gone... To... Remember when Pep went in at Manchester City and Aguero was told, you either work out of possession when we press or you don't play. Now, that's a strong manager. Can you imagine if Firmino, um or... Um, Jota, or if Mane was playing up there and he said yeah you're scoring goals but you're not pressing do you reckon he'll get away with it this is the way (laughs) that the the modern teams play the top teams they want to dictate and they want to keep possession and as soon as they lose possession they want to win it back high up because if they win it back high up when the team the opposite team is starting to uh, expand there's massive gaps to exploit and yeah I mean I I just feel the game's evolved a little bit and the top I can understand why the top teams um, from a tactical point of view what well, might be uh, hesitant to go for him especially thomas tuchel cuz when thomas tuchel did really well winning the champions league and and uh, finishing the season really well beating manchester city three times at the end of not last season the season before it's when they were pressing so well and i was i was doing the game on commentary and as i, I just said city can't get through this press so and city didn't have a set, set the forward like Haaland then so they only had one option, which is to play through, dribble through or play around. Now they've got that extra option where they've got all them three options, but they can also play over and they've got Haaland. So I think it, from a Manchester City perspective, that's given them an extra string to their bow. But from um, the top teams and, and Tuchel and Chelsea were one of the teams that were potentially could have been interested in, in Cristiano. That's why I think they're hesitant, but also I think his behaviour. You know, I think his behaviour's not done himself any favours and and that's because pro- he is a powerful character. You know, he doesn't need any money. He obviously, you know, he, he's got a massive aura when he comes into the dressing room. And if he starts playing up, you've got a huge problem in the changing room. And I think that's probably scared a few off as well.
2: Hmm. That's the last thing yeah. Manchester United need this season as yeah. well as a dressing room that's broken Well,
4: there was up. so much positivity, weren't they, pre-season? I thought they were playing well. They were scoring very uncharacteristic goals, wasn't they? Where it was tippy-tappy, like really impressive eye-catching goals. And I was thinking, yeah, I'm glad. Listen, I, I think we all understand Manchester United. They've not won the league now for nine years, but when they were winning the league, it's like, you know, Roy the Rovers' stuff. You know, they're great players. they had played a great style of football. And for them not to be winning great, everyone's like, yeah, I have a chuckle. But it's gone on for too long now and it's get, it was getting actually ridiculously sad for the club. So to see somebody come in and have an impact as Eric Ten Hag has, I was like, "Yeah, good. I'm glad United have like got back on the on the train and they're having a little go now. And it, it, it might take them a few years, but at least they're going in the right direction. And then all of a sudden, this this little um, nugget appears where Cristiano starts playing up, and it has it, it's it's called it's caused ructions at the club. I feel, and it's it's mm-hmm. definitely um, hampered." Eric Ten Hag and, and the uh, positivity that he had around the club up until is, Cristiano's Is,
2: is it broke. true, Trevor, that he left the ground uh, bef- uh, after halftime?
4: I believe so. That's what's been reported, yeah. which, you know,
2: that's... That's bad. That's yeah, awful. That's you know, terrible. That's
4: you. Yeah, it's funny. But again, you know, we can't question the original reason why he didn't come back for pre-season because it was family-orientated and that, uh, you know, we all know that he's, he's lost a baby recently. So let's let's just put that to bed. But the rest of it you know, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. You know, he's he's playing up, he's demanding a move, he's doing this, he's doing that and then he's leaving the ground as soon as he gets substituted. So, listen, I think he's, he, it, it's a bad luck for Manchester United because really, he, they've got their, registr- he, they've got his registration. I'd like Manchester United to say, you know what, sit there. Until you start behaving yourself, you're not playing any football and he can't yeah. play any football and if he goes to any court or anything, Man United would just say, well, we wanted him to play but he didn't want to play, he was playing up and all the rest of it. Yeah. But realistically, they're going to have to sell him because yeah. he's that much of a powerful player. But it's, it's it's a bad luck for a big football club to get bullied off a player yeah. like that. You you think it would be an absolute nightmare for, for a manager
1: trying to deal with him right now when you're trying to yeah. come in and you're trying to implement your own philosophy, your style, create a good buzz around the dressing room, and then all of a sudden you've, you've got to deal with that shite. And not only that, he's a, a,
4: he's a machine by all accounts. Yep. So I, I remember when Rio said he was the hardest at Manchester United back in the day, and that's when they had some... Pff, pff, tough boys so he's supposed to be quite an aggressive boy as well so you know Eric Tan Hag he, he looks probably about 10 stone wet through he, he, <laughs> he, if he come on top he'd get absolutely ragdolled so Ronaldo's holding all the cards Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's a legend
3: yeah. <laughs> it's a terrible shame isn't it yeah UKP, you, you all right
0: yeah, I'll be okay. Um, when he ends up at Villa, <laughs> when he ends up at Villa on August 31st, I'll be just fine.: Oh uh, yeah, fine. To, to, uh, to, end, to end today's, today's chat with, with
3: Trevor, how about this? If you be, all right Aston in Villa. I actually think Villa might be a bit of a surprise this year. Gerard's second year, continue for the full year, brought some some real steel to the middle of the park, which they were real lacking last year. Could they be a surprise team?
4: Um, I think they'll be surprised I'll be surprised if they don't finish top 10. And I think Steven will be under pressure because I feel that the players that they brought to the club, the squad that they already had. Um, I think he, he's took a long time to get to know the players. I think it's important that he brought in Neil Critchley from Blackpool, who's a who's a who's a coach who really understands um, tactical nuances uh, against other teams. And if a team plays a five, then they can do this. And you know he he didn't play at a high level, Neil. So he concentrated from a young age at coaching and and the tactics of the game. And he had a fantastic time at Blackpool, which is my first club where I live quite close to Blackpool. So I kept a close eye on it. It, it. The recruitment was great, the players that he was bringing in, the style of football. Um, so I think that's a massive coup for Stephen and it really will be helpful because he is still a young manager. He's only been managing, what, four or five years. Mm-hmm. So I think he, he really does need that help, especially with Michael Beale going to Queen's Park Rangers, my other club um so he needs that help and I think I think Neil will go in there and give him that foundation and, and give him that kind of confidence and and that ear where he bounces things off and Neil will give him good advice but with the group of players they've got to be finishing top 10 for sure because they I mean Leon Bailey just we know how good he is but it literally was made of glass last season I watched some of the games from his first games where he come on and I was thinking wow yeah. Rapido, he, he, you know, he's a Jamaican, I think he's Jamaican. So that yep, yep. was about saying. <laughs> um, but still, but when you get usually when you get a qu- really quick player like Leon, they'll be a little bit clumsy with the touch or with the passing range or with the, you know, simple, brilliant basics, I, I call it. But he seems to have everything. He's got that guile. He's got a great first touch. He's got that speed. He understands patterns. He's a set piece specialist. So he seems to have everything but he needs some serious strength and conditioning this this summer. He needs to work really hard, make sure he has a great pre-season. And if he does, I think he could be absolutely astonishing in the Premier League this year. So I'm looking forward to seeing Villa because obviously Stephen, I played with Stephen uh, in my career, played against him a lot as well. And uh, he, he was an unbelievable competitor, unbelievable talent. And you would expect him to try and reflect that in his managerial career. And it's not quite happened in England yet. He did well, obviously, at Rangers, won the league there. But it's not quite happened here yet. And he want to prove a few people wrong.
2: One of our other uh, former teammates, uh, Frank uh, Lampard, is uh, at Everton. And it was a tough, tough goal for him. He managed to stay up, I said, by a flea's ball hair. And now he's got (laughs) another chance at it. How do you think Everton are going to do? They brought on a substitute during the uh, friendly against uh, Didamok Kiev. Yeah, uh, the big man scored a penalty that uh, was a nice touch. I thought for the fan that uh, yeah, nice a touch. whole bunch of human- yeah. humanitarian stuff for Ukraine. Absolutely so brilliant. Yeah, yeah. How I mean, listen, he's going to do.
4: Everton's always been a top club. It's always been like you know, obviously it's it's, it's, it's a two club city. It's a smaller club, obviously, uh, in this era. I don't want to get too much hate from the Everton fans, but <laughs> at the moment they're the smaller club in the city. Yeah. <laughs> um but. Yeah, he he got away with it last year. I thought they looked doomed and uh, they managed to pull out that result against Crystal Palace, which I thought was outstanding. Yeah. Delhi Ali shown a glimpse that it's something possibly to come from him. Uh, but I think he still needs a bit of business to be done because they've lost, you know, their goal-getter last season, Richarlison. Um, and I like a few of the signings they brought in. You know, Tarkovsky, I know he got relegated, but I think he is a good defender and I think he's a Premier League defender. So I think that's a really good addition I think the boy uh, Dwight McNeil as well. You know, he's coming. I've been a big fan of He's only 22. He's played over 100 games. So he's only going to get better and give him the right platform position. He started well again. You know, I went to West Ham, great first game, scored two goals. That gave me the momentum, the confidence of the teammates more than anything to go on and have a good time at West Ham. I think the fact that he scored two in his first friendly, I think that'll do Dwight the, the World. Because a lot of people were talking about he didn't score or assist last season. They got relegated and it was, a, for most part, it was a really tough team to play for. Because of the tactics and, you know, not very expansive tactics from Sean Dyche, which they've had to do because they cut cut your cloth accordingly. But in general, they weren't the most exciting team to watch. But I think going to Everton, you hopefully get a little bit more freedom from Frank. And uh, yeah, I think listen, this this should be more comfortable than than they were last year because you look at the quality they've got throughout the squad. Uh, it's just that centre forward position. You know, it's if Dominic mm-hmm. Calvert Lewin doesn't stay fit. They struggle, you know. Rondon's yeah. not the answer. So I think if, yeah. if they're going to look anywhere to strengthen one more time before the start, before the end of the transfer uh, period, I think they should try and get another striker in.
1: What is your, what are your thoughts on Nottingham Forest players that they've brought in? And obviously, yeah, Lingard, love- and and your thoughts on Lingard going to. The forest. Who? Yeah, I think Who? as a I, <laughs> yeah exactly.
4: As a fan of obviously as a fan of my former club, I was disappointed because I think David really wanted him. I think he had a, an unbelievable time at the club, as we all know. But not just these goals and the sit, but the, the spirit that he seemed to bring, the galvanise the boys, and they seemed to have a lot of fun. And uh, you know, like we said earlier in the show, I think that's half the battle. If you can do it and have fun. You know, the, the fans feel that and everyone, you know, rides on that wave. And so it was disappointing from a from a West Ham fan point of view. Um, but I don't think you can knock him. You know, he might be a Northern lad. Uh, he might want to stay in the Northwest. It's a Premier League team. I think Steve Cooper's an excellent manager. You know, he's, he, he did done well at the um, youth levels for England. He's come in as a manager, took him from bottom of the table to promotion after the playoffs. And I, I believe he's a really great communicator with his players. The players love playing for him. Um, and they've made some really astute signings. They've signed a, a good centre half uh, under France former France under twenty one uh, centre half. They've, they've signed a really good midfielder that I've been told is, you know, he's going to do bits. And because uh, they've lost a lot of players, so he's got it's a huge rebuild that he's got. So um, it's a massive task that he's got. But if he can get them boys to 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 have some kind of spirit and some kind of understanding and execute the, the game plan. Uh, I'd like to see you not enough for to stay up because it's a club that we used to play against a lot of heritage there, um, and they've been away for far too long. And it's a, it's a well supported football club as well. So hopefully you get it right and that they'll be able to survive. But I think that's got to be got to be their main objective: just survive. Because if they do that, that's a win. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: they brought in some 12 players so far uh, that's not sure. easy to transform a team that well five went players
4: in. were on alone. so I mean they lost DJ I Spence know. who's gone yeah. to Tottenham uh, from yeah. Middlesbrough I think uh, the, the centre forward Davis he's also gone you've got Garner who went back to uh, Manchester United you've got the goalkeeper Zambu who left so they've had to fill a lot of key roles in the team Yeah, um, but uh, you know what? He's done a lot of business quite early. So he's, he's had mm-hmm. a lot of time pre-season to work with these players. Patterns of play, shape, formation, mm-hmm. different formation when you need to change it. So, listen, he's a, he's a, he's a cool operator. He knows what he's doing, Steve Cooper. And, uh, you know, you could see that from taking over from Chris Houghton to, to, from bottom of the table to get promotion in the same league. It's like Amazing. unheard of. So, yeah. yeah, I wouldn't put it past him that he can survive. And I hope they do.
2: I'd ask you a question, uh, to Trev. We have a Canadian at Nottingham Forest. His name is Richie Larea. Um, he was bought uh, halfway through the season last year. He never started a game because they were winning. You know, never, the coaches are yeah. going to change their winning side. <clears throat> and we always sort of debated whether or not promotion for him was actually going to be a good thing because you know what it's yeah, like. Yeah, it sometimes
4: can go against you, yeah.
2: And, yeah, so with the World Cup in November – if it was you, what would you do? Uh, because you've got to be playing games. It's very important yeah. that you're doing that before yeah. November, but you also want to fight for a Premier League spot. So he's I in a tough got, situation. Yeah,
4: you've got to assess it pre season, see what the competition is. Yeah. Um, because they have got Zinganago down that side. Um mm. and and I thought both mainly the right, because the the right was unbelievable last season. Um with yeah. Jed Spence and the boy Johnson, who I mm-hmm. thought was you know, outstanding. He's going to be, he's going to be an exciting player. Got his Welsh international cap as well now. Um, But yeah, they were strong on the wings, um, but they've lost one on the right. Um, You've got to go in, you've got to go, first you've got to go back to pre-season when you join the lads, fit and redder. You, You can't go back unfit and think, right, I'm going to get fit now. Go back fit, assess the situation, see what the competition is, see if the manager's feeling you amongst that competition. And if you're not, I think you've got to try and get away. I don't think you can wait too long you know, before the, the window closes, maybe even alone. Just get away where you're going to play, even if it's in the championship. Go yeah. to a championship club, play. Go somewhere where you're going to play week in, week out. And then it's down to you, as not it, as your performances. If your performances are good enough in the championship, hopefully that'll be enough to get him into the Canadian squad. Yeah,
3: it would. And yeah, you know what, there were times, right, Craig, where uh, back in years past, where it doesn't matter if you're playing or not, you're still making Canada, right? If, you, if you're of Richie's uh, ability, that's t- changed now. There's depth now. And Bullseys, you need to yeah. be playing games before a, a weird World Cup, right? In a weird time of year. So it's going to be a weird Pleaser. season. Um, Trevor, listen, thanks so much for this, mate. Really enjoyed this. Uh, you My know, pleasure, time. And we will love to get you back on before the World Cup at some point.
4: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Thanks, Trevor. Really Not appreciate it. Out. Take it easy, guys. Cheers, pal. That is Cheers Trevor later.
3: Sinclair. We, we all got um, a question in about our favourite teams. So, you know, as usual, we are, we're very disingenuous and, and it's all about us well done, lads. Always a great chat is, is, is Trevor, that's for sure. And a great teammate of yours, Craig.
2: Oh, yeah, he was amazing. They had a lot of good teammates, but he's up there. He's up there. And like you said, tactically, Harry uh, not not so much. But the players. <laughs>
3: that was funny. He, he,
2: he, it's true. We used to joke about it. It was like the West Ham football pub. Like yeah. <laughs> he, just had, told- he, he, he picked good players,
1: but, I mean, we were on our own. <laughs> yeah. I still remember that goal that Trevor Sinclair scored at QPR. Remember that? Oh, ice yeah. goal over the head, goal of the year, over the head Dick, Jesus, what a goal that was! And what made it even
3: better was with right, Sinclair. Didn't Diccio score a great one in the same season in the FA Cup? And he would have had it until Trevor scored that goal. So you know, yeah. Yeah, kind of ruined ruined each of the season, which made it even that's, better. That's Top right. Eyes, they, they all had a whip.
2: They all put in money for the best goal, and they that's right when Deach scored a great goal if nobody's beaten that, and then trevor Sinclair overhead kick bicycle kick from eighteen yards so
3: you cannot i mean it you cannot see a better goal no
1: no, it was no. frightening it right the
3: trevor Sinclair scale now for goals right yeah People talk yeah, about. It, and then he crossed the,
1: the
2: cross it for decanio for the all time best goal rated at Upton Park you know yep. so –
3: I mean, I know what, whenever, whenever I bit. see that goal, when I see that goal on the replays or on, on uh, well, what was well, I won't mention the the, the channel now, but they have the old games. I always, rather than looking at De Canio, I'm trying to peer up the pitch to see what you're doing, Craig. <laughs>
1: so <laughs> it's naturally got there.
3: How's <laughs> he <laughs> celebrating? When you saw that goal go in, I mean, did you see it obviously from a pretty good angle, right? But you're way back in the field. Did you did you know straight away it was hitting going in? Um, no, but as soon as I saw
2: it and it hit the back of the net, I knew it was something special. That was a time when I I never, outside of, I would say, um, Kawhi Leonard hitting that shot when I was at that game against Philadelphia, bounced around the hoop when a crowd just ignites, uh, on, on a moment of, of magic. It was that. And it just. You know what it's like over there in football, too? Nobody's on their phones doing shit. They're watching the game, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody Mm -hmm. is watching the game for 45 minutes a half, and uh, it was electric. It was just kind of a shame it was against Wimbledon. So that one end, uh, there wasn't a lot of fans because that's the away section. So Wimbledon didn't bring a lot of of people. So it would look better if the crowd was completely packed there.
3: Still such a fun goal to watch. It really Mm -hmm. was. So, yeah, boys and girls, it all kicks off. This Friday, um, Wednesday's show will be our big Premier League preview. I and mean, that was a pretty big Premier League preview as well. Um, but we'll have our official mm-hmm. big Premier League preview. So Just run should, out uh, again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it may as well, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. We got a lot to get to, Craig. Don't you want to be asked uh, the gauntlet of trivia questions that uh, I'm sure Sharman has prepared? I love this, right? This big Premier League season prep. And it's like, well, what are we doing? Ah, I'll just ask you some things.
3: Okay, yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. All right. No, no, I'm going to... Um, have a little quiz about last season because I, I was going over some stuff and I forgot absolutely everything about last season, and I want to know if you guys have. I assume you have as well, but I guess
0: we'll find it out when we record the podcast. I feel like last season just ended, Jimmy. Did like that promotion? That promotion final. I I, I feel like I'm still hungover from the night before. I feel like Jimmy just got fired. <laughs> <laughs> This year has flown by.
1: Uh,
0: <laughs> yeah, that's nice.
3: That's nice. We're in the show today, I think, actually. On
1: that, uh, on that note. I um, feel yes, like everything's just taking forever. Join us, just forever. Yeah. Uh,
3: join us later this you, week, buddy. everyone. Uh, make sure yeah, you follow us, you like us. Um, what else, JC? There's something else you, we're supposed to be doing at the end of the show.
0: Oh, yeah. There's two things. One is where you can watch the games. Yeah, I have that. Which is? fubo tv starting
3: this friday and please help make us some money so we can afford craig's flight back from vancouver from bc and yeah, maybe but, pay for jimmy's rent or his mortgage because obviously yeah. he has no job right now so yeah one dollar fifty five cents no, one dollar fifty five cents for every subscription come on guys
1: yep, FuboTV.com,
3: fubotv. <laughs> fubotv. fubo slash 30 prime is how you get all the prem games from this season every single second of every single game and it should be a, a fantastic season so everyone we'll chat to you later this week keep buying newspapers
0: Bye. sign up for all the premier league action at fubotv.com footyprime and as always join the conversation on twitter at footy underscore prime